Welcome back into the Card Chronicle podcast. It is the morning of Thursday, February 10th. Mike Rutherford here in sunny and beautiful Louisville, Kentucky. Dan Sennard up in cold and gray and gross Columbus, Ohio. That's fine. We're going to talk a lot about what we've, I guess, missed the last couple of weeks in the world of Louisville basketball. Most recently, the Cards going to South Bend last night and giving it in like five minutes of fun there in the second half, but ultimately falling short and setting the program's first six-game losing streak in, what, since 1991, 31 years. It's been a long time. So we'll get to all that fun stuff. But before we do, Dan Sennard, how are you? How's the, how's the fam? How's everything going in the world of the Sennards? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's going okay. Um, <laughs> I, 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 the thing is, right now, um, there's not a whole lot to look forward to in the world of sports. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to my fam, especially my brother with the Bengals making the Super Bowl. Uh, it's still surreal to think about that they're actually going to be playing in the Super Bowl. Um, and I know that they've had a lot of long, long, long years. So I know we're, uh, we're doom and gloom here in, in Louisville basketball land right now, but just trying to imagine being a Bengals fan for 30 years is unfathomable. But, um, yeah, congrats to them. Uh, I know we'll get to the cards in a second, but um, I'm I'm actually really looking forward to the Super Bowl. How much would you give to have a fallback sports option like the Bengals right now? Oh because I, it's yeah, I've got like, I, I've got Lions and Reds. You've got Vikings and Reds. We've got basically nothing. Will Zalatoris let us down two weeks ago. Make a fucking putt, dude. Like like that's we've got yeah, no. That was tough. We've got no pivot. We've got nowhere else to go. We're just sitting here, just toiling in our own sports misery. It's it's terrible. Like I was at a wedding with my brother last week, and I would like try to talk about Louisville basketball, and he would like change the subject to the Bengals in like point five seconds, and I'm like, well, I actually don't blame you. Um, <laughs> so yeah, they're uh, they're riding high for sure. This wedding I was at, my God, it was in Cincinnati. It was my cousin's wedding. Shout out to Hannah and Mike, but. Um, about 200, 250 people, and I'm pretty sure, like, I was the only non-Bengals fan there. I mean, the amount of Day chants that went on were outrageous, so it was, uh, I mean, it was, from the outside, it was, it was kind of funny um, to watch, but definitely got some FOMO for sure. Like, obviously, the first time in my life, I kind of regretted not being a diehard Bengals fan, but Joe Burrow makes them, I mean, he makes them at least fun to to root for i'm not i'm not you know saying i'm a full-fledged Bengals fan but i'll pull for him in the super bowl yeah i've got i mean the Bengals who were a franchise that i always used to be able to be like well you know my friends who are Bengals fans we're kind of in the same boat like them and the lions they're basically the same team a <laughs> little bit a little bit more success for Bengals over the years but you know whatever so you got that on one hand and then the other you've got the best lions quarterback of my lifetime <laughs> In the the very first year that he moves on from the Lions, going to the Super Bowl, it's I don't know where to go. I, I guess I'm going to root for the Bengals. I I I don't know. Yeah, that's that's I, tough. I don't really care. I, seeing seeing Stafford get to a Super Bowl in year one, I mean, gosh, the Lions. That's great. I'm, like, I'm happy yeah. for him. I'm happy. Yeah. I'm really happy for him. I mean, it's it's wonderful. It's awesome. Can't get around I, that. I can't get over the stat that I, I think we mentioned it on a pod previously. The three, uh, the, the longest streak of any professional team in the big three leagues in America, Major League Baseball, NBA, and the NFL, the longest streak of not advancing in the playoffs. It used to be the Bengals until they won this year. 
Now it's the Lions. It's been 30 years since they won a playoff game. The second longest is the Reds. I mean, it's it's just such a smack in the fucking face. Let me, uh, let me ask you a question to start here. Yeah. Before we talk about, because we'll talk a little bit specifically about this Notre Dame game. I mean, we've since the last time, we didn't get to do a pod last week, and people were upset. I mean, I got people texting into the radio show text line being like, when's the pod? I got to hear about the North Carolina reaction. And... If you listened to the radio show at all last week, you heard my North Carolina reaction. I didn't get over it very easily. I'm still not really over it. But since last we spoke, Louisville has lost uh, three more games. And like, we, we all know the situation now. Cards are two games below 500. they They've lost six in a row for the first time since 1991. They're on the verge of losing seven in a row for the first time since, I think, 1940-41. Um, it, it's... It would take a miracle run in Brooklyn for this team to make the NCAA tournament. That's not even on anybody's radar at the moment. 127 on Ken Palm. I believe 128 in the net rankings right now. Let's ask this question before we talk about the Notre Dame game specifically. Is this the worst Louisville basketball team of our lifetime? Because we've had – there's some competition there. It's not just a, a straightforward answer. I know everybody living in the moment has a little bit of a recency bias. I feel like I've seen it every game – Definitely the worst team of our lifetime. Definitely, definitely, definitely. I'm not so sure. What do you think? I would have to go back and and look at the final year of Denny Crum roster. I think this team has more talent. Um, Dude, that, that team had did. that team had Maven and Gaines. Yeah, God, you're right. I mean, but Gaines did not really come. I guess he was he was sporadic his freshman year i mean i I guess that's one way to put it but he was a sophomore um, sophomore sophomore, yeah yeah well anyways i don't know 91 i I guess i was kind of too young to remember the roster um yeah i don't know i mean to me from just what i've seen it's it's really hard to argue against it the the amount of fight that they've shown i i would say even though the second half we we finally got a glimpse last night but i would put effort level um, as probably the worst. I, it's hard for me to say they're the actual worst team, um, but it's if not, they're they're up there. So we had this discussion on the show. I'd forgotten because I remember the doom and gloom of Denny's last year, and every game it just felt like, what are we doing here? It was our. I think we were sophomores in high school, and the low point. I remember we lost to Charlotte. I believe the final score it was like was 104 one. to 70 or something. It was a, I, I believe it was 106 to 72. So you, so same margin. You're right there. Um, that was terrible. And I'd forgotten. Like, I, I was wrong. I thought that Maben had graduated the year before. And I, you know, I think Trevor on the radio show was like, I think Maben was on that team. We looked it up, and Maben and Gaines were both on that team. So maybe more pure talent on that team. But I mean, that team had even more of a I-don't-give-a-shit feel to it than this one, which is saying something. Um, it, it's between those two for me. And I didn't realize, I'd, I'd forgotten, we got kind of a refresher course on all this when we were looking it up. That 1991 team, uh, who had previously, you know, the last time we lost six games was that squad, they had a losing record going into the, the Metro Conference Tournament. They made it all the way to the championship game. They, they upset Southern Miss and Clarence Weatherspoon were the number one seed. They upset them in the quarterfinals and then played Florida State and they were up 20 in the second half and ended up losing by seven. Charlie Ward hit like a dagger three in the, in the closing minute. Everybody's been sharing their memories. I think you and I, we're too young to really have any real memories. I remember that happening. That Was that lost, in the finals? Yeah, we lost in the championship game at the Metro, up oh 20 in the God. second half. 
And all I could think of is, imagine in this day and age, like, like fast forward a month from now, we're in Brooklyn, you know, we beat Duke in the quarterfinals, we knock off, I don't know, Virginia in the semifinals, and then we're playing like North Carolina, and we're up 20 in the second half, and everybody's like, oh my god, they're actually going to do it, and then we lose by seven. I, I mean, people would burn the city down. People, people yeah. would be like, it would be the worst thing in the entire world, but... I I guess thankfully I don't feel like that's going to be an issue, but I just I can't imagine having lived through that. And I liked hearing all the reactions from older fans this week when we were talking about saying like this is I remember this I remember that because I don't remember anything about it. Well, and I think that kind of plays to your point. I mean, now we have social media and everyone's allowed to put their their immediate thoughts out on the internet for everyone to read. You know, we didn't have that back in Denny's last year. We didn't have that you know, in 1991. So uh, it was just like, hey, we suck. The season's over and we, we move on. I mean, yeah, you read stuff in the papers, but um, and there was radio shows, but nothing like, you know, we're able, we experience this every day of just doom and gloom and people talking about how bad this team is. So I think it kind of drives home the point maybe a little harder. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, that that would be a loss that would take years to get over if I actually was like a, you know, a teen level or an adult fan. The other thing about those past teams is there's always like a player or two that you're, you know, that's one of the best in program history. Like I saw Eric Crawford was tweeting about it last night. The big change in that season in 91, after that six-game losing streak, Denny Crum moves LeBradford Smith from off the ball to point guard totally changes the dynamic of the team. LeBradford winds up being the all-time leader in assists at UofL. Like I mentioned, Maven and Gaines, two of the best uh, top 15, I think top 10 scorers in the history of the program, are both on that same team. And you look at this team, and I'm like, who's the guy? Like, What could Mike Pegues possibly do? We've tried everything. We've used 12 different starting lineups. Aside from playing Jalen Withers at the point next game, I, I, there's no real pivot here. And there's also no player that I think we're going to look back and, and say, how was that team that bad with Noah Locke? Like, like it's, it's just not going to happen with this group. They're just, at the end of the day, they're just not very good. And could they have been better with better coaching or maybe more stability from the start? Sure. Like, I, I think if you, I think if Mike Begies had been this team's coach from day one, they're better I, I don't think they're markedly better I don't think that they're like they're probably not an NCAA tournament team but they're at least in the discussion I feel like if you had Rick Pitino coaching this team um I feel like they're definitely better but they're still not like a realistic final yeah. four contender or anything like that they're just when you watch this team play like you keep thinking they need to do this this and this and then you watch them do things and you're like they're just not that good and that's the, oh. that's the end of the day we, I mean, we have a team full of role players that yeah. don't know what their role is, um, and it makes it tough. I, I, I maybe you want to. I mean, L. Ellis, I guess you might take out of that, and Jalen. Every you know now lately seems like he's showing flashes that he could be more than a role player. But there's just so many team. There, there's just so many things this team struggles at. Specifically, I mean, probably the worst passing team I've ever seen in my life. Everything is one on one, back down, spread the court, no ball movement off the off the ball on the offensive end. Defense, we have so many guys with slow feet that just get blown by. Um, our help defense is terrible. Uh, we don't seem to crash the boards hard. I, I don't want to, you know. Besides <laughs> all that, besides, besides all that, that, we're doing fine. Yeah. Um, man, it, it, the, the frustrating part is 
like the things that the fans are clamoring for, like when it happens, actually is good. It's like, hey, maybe stop taking so many threes and like try to get some buckets at the rim. Well, the second half, you know, we come back with, you know, layups and, you know, we finally convert a, an alley-oop on a fast break, maybe our first fast break points of the year, it seems like. Um, and then what do we do? We just go right back to hunting three-pointers. Uh, I, I have no idea how that keeps happening. And, hey, the fans want J.J. Trainer to play more. Hey, he comes in, he provides a spark, scores five points. Um, you know, hey, we don't want Jalen Weathers floating behind the three-point line. Well, shit, look what happens when he gets the ball down low. Actually, good thing. So it's kind of weird, the stuff the fans are kind of clamoring for when it, you know, when they do actually get to happen. Um, you know, we see good things. But I don't know. It's tough. Like, I want to cheer so bad, but I was so pissed off with the first half effort yesterday. Even during the comeback, like, I, at any other game, I should be, like, going crazy. I kind of just sat there and was like, well, shit, here they come. Um, so it's kind of a weird feeling to have. What Dan's trying to say is new U of L head men's basketball coach, us the fans. Make, yes. make Put Louisville Twitter in charge, Josh. Do the right exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah, we, we can take this program back to prominence. Uh, yeah, let's talk, we danced around it a little bit there, but let's talk specifically about last night. The cards go up to, to South Bend. They lose 63 to 57 to a Notre Dame team that now, uh, is it alone in first place atop the ACC standings and is still squarely on the NCAA tournament bubble? That's kind of the state of the ACC right now. But as you mentioned, cards come out and the first half last night, Oh boy. Well, like that, they only trailed by what? I think 10 at halftime and they weren't. I have like, no idea how they only trailed by 10. They should have been down by 35 in, in the first. If, if Notre Dame plays last night the way that they played in the Yum Center on January 22nd, like that game's never close. Louisville isn't even within shouting distance in the second half that they don't have a chance to make a run because we came out and that was as uninspired as I've ever seen a Cardinal team play. Like the, and you could just tell and it was, like, it was a close game, but even when we were behind, like, 8-7 to seven early on, there was no bounce. There was no effort. Nobody on the bench cared. Like, it, it just – it felt like the – it felt like that last Denny Crum season where just people wanted to go through the motions and get this thing over with. And thankfully, Notre Dame, who already has a short bench already, they, they didn't have Nate Leshusky. They only played six guys. They didn't shoot the ball very well. After going 15 of 23 from three uh, against us last month, they were five of twenty. Couldn't make an open shot, and then, like, like miraculously, I don't, I don't know what happened. It, it's like the Bizarro reverse Chris Mack, where usually at halftime we come out and we look just like zombies, and I don't know what we do at halftime if we all just take naps and eat giant pancakes and uh, get sluggish. But we've been terrible to start second halves, even when we've been good for the last four years, and we come out in the second half uh, last night, and the, the effort level just miraculously increases. Everybody's playing hard. I think Pagese just sort of says, I'm going to play the guys who are going to give effort. I don't really care what it looks like. Let's just roll. Um, and it works. You also, you mentioned JJ Trainer coming in for the first time since, I don't know, 1972. <laughs> and he knocks down a three and it's like the loudest the bench gets the entire season. Like they're going nuts. And he keeps an offensive rebound alive that, that creates another possession. And, like, everybody's into the game all of a sudden. Uh, Jalen Withers miraculously finds his game. He, he looks like the player we all thought he was going to look like in November. Uh, and I, I have no idea how to explain it. And you and I were texting, and, and I said the same thing that you did. Um, it felt like we were on the verge of getting 
what would have been the weirdest win in the history of Louisville basketball because we were so bad and Notre Dame has been so good for the last three weeks. It, it felt like we shouldn't have even been within shouting distance and then bam, we're winning the game. And then like has happened so many times with this team going all the way back to Furman when they're in a tight game and the other team is kind of calm and makes a big play and we can feel it sort of slipping away. Everybody just fucking panics. Like nobody yep. has any idea what to do. Everybody panics. They jack threes. They make terrible passes. They force things in the lane and it gets away from them. And that's exactly what wound up happening last night. And like we all kind of knew, like don't get me wrong, when we had the alley oop on the fast break to go up 55 54, like I shouted. Like, like I was like, come on. I was like, this is great. Like it, it, it was a, a nice moment. But I think we all sort of knew what was coming. Like any Louisville fan that's followed this team knew we weren't going to get it done down the stretch. And and God love Dre Davis. I I, I love his effort. I love his yeah. his his game in the lane. I've got no idea what he's thinking on those back to back threes. It was nope. just like like you said. I mean, we're killing them by getting to the basket. We're doing everything right. We're doing everything the fans have been clamoring for for really the entire season. And then Dre out of nowhere is just like. Let's fucking go! It's time! <laughs> and you're like, what? And when we miss these shots in these key situations, we don't just miss them. We miss them by like 15 feet. And that was, and then he does it again the very next possession. And you're just like, what are you thinking? Uh, it was, it, it was disappointing, but not altogether unexpected. I guess we should applaud the fight, but at the same time, it feels like if we had brought that effort in the first half, we maybe would have won that game. If we'd played like we played last week against North Carolina, I feel like we win that game because that was Notre Dame's C-minus effort. Uh, I also have to mention, it's the first time ever that we've lost two games to Notre Dame in the same season, which seems weird since they always beat us um, up there in South Bend when Patino was here, but we had never lost to them twice before this year. So this team just continuing to make all the wrong type of history. Yeah, and I mean, you just know, like you said, you knew it was going to happen when we took the lead. Like, it wasn't like a huge shock that we gave it up. And, I mean, the fact is, you just don't have guys that know how to make what you would call the winning plays. Like, they're just so used to losing. Um, and that kind of trickles down in a program. I mean, there's certain teams that you, like, you see throughout the nation that if it's late, you know that somehow they're going to make the winning play and come out with a victory. And we're the exact opposite of that. And that's why I'm anxious for the coaching change in regard to just changing the overall culture. I mean, the culture right now is so bad. It's, it's an, it's a expect to lose culture or how are we going to lose this time culture? Oh yeah. And you know, there's just gotta be a huge overhaul of this roster. Unfortunately, um, you know, we just have to get new blood in here and change the entire thing. So, uh, it's tough. I mean, it, like you said, they showed fight. Um, but again, just, just frustrating, just mental mistakes. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, there's not really a whole lot to say. It just seems like it's, it's the same old story. Most games, I, I missed the Syracuse game, unfortunately, because I was at a wedding, but it sounds like a lot of guys were hunting for their shots there. Um, I just can't believe they reverted back to that after the way they took the lead. So um, on to the next one, I guess. But I'm just very excited to change the culture of this program. Um, I think I'm looking forward 
to the end of March, April, almost more than the beginning of March, just because I have such little faith in the ACC tournament, and I'm very ready for this coaching change to happen. I wish I had like 10% of the self-confidence that this team does in the face of overwhelming evidence to the contrary. Like yeah. five, of, 5 of 30 from 3 last night. And they just they, they always think the next one's going in. <laughs> like I'm a 16% three point shooter. Nobody's making shots. I'm 0 for five tonight. It's going up. Like I, I just I, I'll never understand it, but it's who they are. It's it's who they've been, and it certainly seems like it's who they're going to be for these last four weeks or so. Um, we we can move on from the actual team right now because I mean, you know. What's the point? And we can talk about Miami. I don't know if anybody really wants to. We have a full week before that game. And ACC tournament scenarios, we can, we can get there. If they win a couple, then, then you know. Let I'm, me ask you this. Go ahead. Team in the ACC right now? Say that again? Be the worst team in the ACC right now. I think we're still better than Boston College. Okay. I, I, that's, that's the team I had in mind. Um, man. Pitt, Pitt, maybe. I mean, they just beat Florida State, and they beat us by 12 not that long ago. Yeah. yeah. Pitt plays a lot harder than we do, too. They um, definitely do, for sure. I mean, we'll see. I mean, it's – I still have, like, this slight, slight hope that they can at least win a couple of games and, and have, make that week somewhat fun. Um, but it's it's fading. It's, it's fading pretty much every day. Um, let's move on to the things that I think people are more – intrigued by and there's I mean the last two weeks have been just pure madness I feel like every day there's just some other batshit crazy thing that happens that everybody wants to talk about so there's no way to recap all of it but you've got a coaching search obviously and I'll get to that in a second but then you've got the athletic director search which has heated up in recent weeks even though there's really nothing happening outside of people uh, making this movement for Tom Jurich to to come back and if you want to hear my thoughts on that, you can basically listen to any of the radio shows from last week or, or beginning of this week. I've addressed it a lot. But I did want to talk about the fact that uh, Lori Gonzalez, the interim president at UofL, she's announced the an update to the AD search, which there's all this you know this movement for Jurich. There's people trying to you know clamoring for Josh Hurd to get the job full time. There's you know, people talking about the De- Devon Thomas out of Gonzaga. All that stuff's going on. Like the process hasn't even started yet. So like like. We, we need to just take a step back and let this whole thing play out a little bit. But here's the, the Lori Gonzalez. She gave an update last week about how this is going to go. And basically, they're trying to identify a search firm that's going to help them. We found out this week that the, the UofL is using a, a search firm for the men's basketball coach search, which I'm going to talk about in a second. But to further assist in the process, Gonzalez announced that she's establishing two groups that are going to help out here. So you've got the athletic director search planning group and the presidential advisory group. Now the first group, the the planning group, this will, according to to Gonzalez, include coaches, athletic staff, student athletes, alumni, faculty, staff, students, and members of both the ULAA board of directors and the board of trustees. Basically anybody in the, in the fucking city who wants to be on this thing, you're going to be a part of the process. If you want to feel like you're being included, you're going to be included in that group. The second group, the presidential advisory group, that's described as, quote, 
respected and well-informed individuals, including former <laughs> athletes and successful business leaders. Like, that's the group. Like, that's the group who's making the decision. If you're in the first group, nobody gives you're a not, fuck about what you have to say. Respect, you're not respected if you're in the first group. The respect, second group, they're respected. And well-informed. Like, <laughs> any moron can be in the first group. Like, you don't even have to know who the current uh, basketball coach is. You're in the first group. Like, I, I just love the Lori, way that... we, we'd like to be in the group. It's like, all right, we'll put you in the first group. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, the entire city's in group one. Like, that's the that's the free party. Like, the, the, the VIP party starts later, and you got to have a ticket, and nobody else is invited. Like, they basically, it, it's such a an obvious ploy to try to get as many people involved as possible, because there's been all this talk about lack of transparency and people feeling like they're left out of the conversation. So, hey... You get to be in this first, you know, who gives a fuck made up group. Everybody's in there. There's even like 7,000 people in there. The second group that is like, they're like, hey, the smart and successful people, you're going to be in the second group. Like, that's the group who's making this decision. Let's be real about it. I just thought it was so funny. And now we also have a search firm getting involved too. But I mean, this AD search, Eric Crawford laid it out. If you're looking for some sort of precedent here to, to develop a timeline. When UofL hired Tom Jurich, uh, it took around 130 days. When UK hired Mitch Barnhart, it was about the same amount of time. It's been 65 days now since Vince Tyree resigned. So it feels like we've probably got, I don't know, a month and a half at least uh, of continuing here. And we'll see what happens. Uh, I don't, who knows how real the, the Tom Jurich stuff is? Who knows, um, how much of a push there's going to be to just make Josh the, the full time. And who knows if there's an outside candidate that we're not even talking about. But we'll, we'll find out at some point in time. But yeah, I, I just thought it was hilarious. We, we're getting the process started. Literally everybody who's ever been attached to the city of Louisville is going to be involved in the process. Well done. It, it is. I cannot believe the last six years. Times It feels like we've had, you know, like the biggest news coming out of the university is if there's like a, a, a board of directors meeting. Um, involving the athletic program. Like, I am just so ready for this part of Louisville Athletics to be done, to have a firm athletic director, um, you know, to have a firm president where we don't, we don't have to worry about whenever there's meetings anymore. My God, it has just been absolutely exhausting. So I'm very anxious for the respected people um, to make whatever decision they're going to make. What's the opposite of respected and well-informed? I just love that it's, it's like it's that's right where they go to start. The second group will be respected and well-informed individuals as opposed to the first group, which is naive, yeah. <laughs> naive and shamed uh, pariahs of society. You guys get in that first group. We don't we, we don't we're going to we're literally going to rip up the report you give us right in front of you and tell you to go fuck off. Like that's that's we what were, we're going to do. We were texting about this the other day, like. What a job to be in a search firm. My oh God. My God. It's, it's, the, it's the biggest racket going. It's, it's unbelievable. That leads me to what I want to talk about second, which is, you know, the, the coaching search stuff. There are a couple of little tidbits we can get to, but the big news that's come out of over the last week is Louisville once again employing the services of a search firm. This time it's DHR Global, 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 Global. I mean, <laughs> Is there a company that has global in the title that isn't a shell company for something else? Like, I, 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 when I heard that, I was like, well, this is a fucked up decision. Like, this is, this has to be some sort of shady dealing. But search firms are the biggest racket going. I, I, we've got to do, I mean, right now, CC podcast search firm. Let's start it. We'll be millionaires in a, in a month or two. 
all you have to do is basically like Twitter search which candidate the fan base wants, go to some message boards, go to some websites, find that out. It takes maybe 10 minutes. Sit on your ass for like four weeks, write up a little report and be like, hey, I think you guys should hire the guy that everybody wants you to hire. Like that, that's all you do. $500,000 right there. Done. Like it, it blows my mind that this is a thing. I don't understand how this actually works. I don't. I, I think it's just it's absurd to me that these people continue to make. It's the best racket going. That's how I'll put it. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, obviously, these search firms are being used for the fact that if whoever so and so is hired and fails, um, there's less of a blowback on you know the person that actually was supposed to be hiring them. So. Uh, you know, I I somewhat get it from that standpoint. But, See, but but yeah. is there like I, I keep hearing that explanation? Like I don't, I've never heard of a coaching hire where somebody's been like, well, it wasn't really the AD's hire; it was DHR Global. Like it doesn't matter if you employ a search firm. At the end of the day, when a coach is hired by an athletic director, it's that guy's hire or or that woman's hire. Like when we think back to Chris Mack, it's a Vince Tyree hire. When we think back to whoever winds up being the next men's basketball coach assuming that Josh Hurd is still the interim or permanent athletic director when that hire is made, like, it's going to be a Josh Hurd hire. Like, I, I keep hearing that as an excuse. It's, well, they can cover their asses. Well, the search firm can also say, we don't hire. We we, we recommend three to five names, and then you make the decision. So I, I feel like that's a – people keep saying that, and I've never heard somebody say, well, it was that search firm's hire. It wasn't really the AD's fault. Like, the AD's always going to get blamed or the credit. No, I mean, that's a good point. I don't know. I just feel like the past hires besides, obviously, well, I, I mean, the Chris Mack hire is just an obvious candidate. It just feels like there wasn't a lot of vetting of other candidates. It was always Chris Mack. And I think they want to give a portrayal this time of, hey, we're really going out and knocking on doors and sitting down with every single candidate. Yeah. Um. So I, I feel like that's kind of the main reason for for this one but whatever man just i've got to get my hands on this report whatever the search firm comes back with i've got to see it because i'm just assuming it's going to be a repeat of every argument that's been happening in my twitter mentions for the last two weeks where where it's just like one thing that's a concern with kenny payne is the fact that (laughs) and i don't know if you guys knew this he's never been a head coach before and then it's going to be like on the contrary, former Louisville head coach Denny Crum actually had barely been a head coach before he took the job. Like, all the, the point-counterpoint stuff, I feel like it's just going to be this report. Um, we've got to talk about this guy who's running the search firm, though. I, I'm fascinated by this guy. If you haven't subscribed to Jeff Greer's uh, newsletter, highly recommend it. It's, it's the Floyd Street Tribune. He's got some good stuff on this guy. His name is Glenn Sugiyama. Okay, the, before you say, okay, go is ahead. this the same guy that hired... Godfrey at Cal or wherever it was, Cal State Northridge. It is. Thank you for stepping over that. I was going to get there. Oh, sorry. Uh, Glenn Sugiyama is, after talking to some people and Googling him, I'm kind of obsessed with this guy. So he's, he's everything that I think of when I think search firm racket. He apparently like refuses to travel places not in the limo. Like, he just takes a limo everywhere. Like, this is who I would be if the CC podcast search firm takes off. But if you're wondering, like, like what he does, what's going to happen here, his role in this process is find out who has zero interest before 
it gets public that U of L's reached out to who is so and so, and he says no. Like, find out who's a legitimate candidate. Find out who's not. Find out who would talk. Find out what it would take, and then recommend three to five coaches. And I do think that this is, you know, we've been talking for pretty much a month now, sort of saying it seems like a foregone conclusion that the next head coach is going to be Kenny Payne. This is kind of the one little wrench thrown into that mix because I think the search firm will probably recommend other candidates as well. And also Sugiyama was involved in the the search at DePaul that wound up resulting in the hiring of Tony Stubblefield. And I think there's been some speculation that he wasn't overly high on Kenny Payne as a head coach there. Now, the DePaul situation is weird because you, I, I, fully, full admission here, I can't figure out exactly what the truth is uh, when it comes down to this. You'll hear two different things from both sides. And even within those two sides, the stories are a little bit different. You're going to hear from one side that, um, you know, Kenny Payne thought he was going to get the DePaul job or thought he was going to take the DePaul job and got lowballed during contract negotiations and, and chose to walk away. You're going to hear from the other side that they didn't want Kenny Payne to be the head coach and he was never offered the job. Um, I think it's why, and I've said this on, I think, the two podcasts ago, the whole rumor that there was a potential Dwayne Peavy, Kenny Payne package deal was completely bogus. Like Kenny Payne does not like Dwayne Peavy after whatever happened. There was some fallout there. Um, but Sugiyama's role in that, I think, makes this at least a little bit interesting. And if you're one, if you're somebody who just doesn't, you know, maybe you're not fully sold on Kenny Payne. You're not totally against Kenny Payne, but you just want to see this whole thing play out and, and see other candidates seriously considered. Like this is this is good news for you, I guess, because we're going to get more of a, a genuine search than maybe it seemed like a week ago. But here's here's where I get a little bit nervous about this whole thing. If, if you didn't notice that I'm already nervous about it already, <laughs> I'm going to list the the searches that Sugiyama and DHR were involved in in college basketball. And you've already mentioned one, but I'm going to get there. So Sugiyama was at the front of Josh Pastor getting the Georgia Tech job. That's where we'll start. Okay. One for one. <laughs> ACC tournament champions. Um, I mentioned Tony Stubblefield at DePaul. They've won two Big East games. They did beat us on our home floor, so I guess maybe that's going okay. Frank Haith at Tulsa. He's always going to give you one good year. Then you got to get rid of him. Quanzo Martin at Cal. Oh, boy. Very recently, Kyle Neptune, uh, who is the, a longtime J. Wright assistant at Villanova, uh, got the job at Fordham. He's in his first season there. No idea how that's going to go. And DHR and, and Sugiyama, they do have direct ties to Villanova, which I think is how Josh Hurd um, has been hooked up with them. Maybe the best hire that they've been involved in was Craig Smith going to Utah State, where you know, he made them one of the better mid-major or you know whatever you'd want to describe the Mountain West as teams in the country the last three years. Now he's the head coach at Utah. Um, and then last but not least, as you mentioned earlier, Mark Gottfried at Cal State Northridge, which was maybe the most bizarre hire of the last 15 years. Everybody, the second that, that Northridge hired him, just said the same thing, which is how the fuck does this guy have a job right now? And this is going to go poorly. And if you haven't read the news, uh, Mark Gottfried, not currently the head coach at Cal State Northridge because they got in their own trouble. It's not even based on the NC State stuff. It's based on other issues that got involved out there. He should, we, we, we have to mention, he was involved or at the head of the 
hiring of Jeff Brom at Purdue. That's, uh, I, I think, going to be interesting for Louisville fans. He also, he wasn't just involved in it. Purdue AD Mike Babinski in a uh, Chicago Tribune story from 2019 said that uh, Sugiyama was the man who knew how to close the deal, how to get the fish in the boat. Glenn helped win the day for us. So that's, I, I guess, a a good note. It, it, just depending on who you talk to, some people, I know Greer quoted Jonathan Blue, uh, the, the big-time booster at UofL, for saying that Sugiyama's the best in the business. I know other think less of him and think that this is all sort of on show is the, the other word that Greer has quoted in his latest newsletter. I don't know, man. It all just seems weird. It doesn't make me feel that much more confident, but at least it's going to be something to talk about. That's the way that you have to look at it. We, we have to at least try to make this fun, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's such a weird situation right now. Like, and I know Twitter is only a, a fraction of, know obviously real life but it seems like and i don't know you can disagree with me if i'm wrong but it seems like like a lot of our fans are are setting themselves up to be really pissed off for a long time if if, if kenny Payne isn't hired and i'm not even saying if 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 he's hired and we do our due diligence and, and whatnot like like i said i will roll with it i will support it um, would it be my personal for, first choice? No, but I'm not like, you know, I, I, I totally understand why they would hire Kenny Payne. Um, but from the stuff I'm reading, it's like, if you don't hire Kenny Payne, like, you know, this program's going to shit, blah, blah, blah. No one else is going to work. It's only got to be Kenny Payne. Um, I know. Which I'm like, can we pump the brakes a little bit? Like, I mean, I, I want to bet everyone here. So, yeah, it, I mean, some of those names are, you just read are a little bit worrisome. Um, but I do want to go through the process. And however they do it, you know, whether it's with a search firm or, you know, Josh Hurd is involved or our new potential AD is involved, I don't know. But I, I want to get the right candidate on this one. So I'm I'm not putting my eggs all in one person's basket right now. Um, I just want to clean search and find the right guy. I'm I'm with you. I've been legitimately surprised by, I guess, just like the the the, the degree of confidence that that some of the fan base has in Kenny Payne. Just like the whole like all or nothing mentality that you were talking about. I mean, I keep hearing the phrase checks every box, and I I mean. If there's one candidate out there who very clearly doesn't check all the boxes, it's Kenny Payne. I don't I don't think there's a single candidate out there who does check all the boxes. But Payne, I mean, I don't know what boxes are on your list, but not being a head coach and the Calipari coaching tree and all the stuff that I've talked about before, it's like that's got to be a concern. But in this specific case, it seems like it's being spun as kind of a positive. And here's where I think all of this stems from. It's the Chris Mack effect. It's the fact that Four years ago, we had a coach with a resume that seems very similar to the other coaches that are being considered right now by UofL or by the fan base that, or that are being tossed around as possibilities. He was a guy who, when he was hired, every national media guy said this is going to be a great fit. This is going to work out well. It may not be, you know, crumb or patino level, but it's going to be really good. And it wasn't really good. And so now you find yourself in this position where, Guys like Eric Musselman and Mick Cronin and Kevin Willard and really any other name you want to toss out there, they all remind the fan base at least a little bit of Chris Mack and, and bring to light the memories of, of four years ago. And so the pivot is, is very clearly to a guy who's, 
you know, he does, you can't criticize Kenny Payne's track record as a head coach because he's never been a head coach. You can say Kevin Willard's only won one game in the NCAA tournament, or Ed Cooley has only won one game in the NCAA tournament. Kenny Payne's never lost a game in the NCAA tournament, so he, so you don't have that criticism for him. His, in a weird way, his strengths and his weaknesses are kind of the same when you're having this debate, and I think that it would be totally different if the Chris Mack thing hadn't happened. I think we'd be more willing to look over some of the shortcomings with a guy like uh, Musselman or Cronin or, again, Steve Forbes, whoever's name you want to throw out there. But I think this is all based on – I mean, every time we throw a name out there or there's a discussion about a guy on the radio show, the text line just fills up with, like, overrated, don't want him, don't yeah. want him, don't want him. And I think that that's just – like. but at the same time, I am surprised by the people who are just act like – if Kenny Payne comes here, it's going to be the greatest thing ever, and you're a moron if you think otherwise. I right. just, I just, I don't get. You, you, there's no one out there who should make anybody that overwhelmingly confident about anything. I can totally see this happening too. Kind of like a flavor of the month thing, like whether it's Mick Cronin. Like, what if Kevin Willard makes a surprise run to the Final Four? I mean, like people are going to be like, "Well, we need to get this guy." Like. Like it's kind of like a what you what have you done for me lately type thing. Um, I, I just like everyone was all in on Bruce Pearl. Obviously, he signs the contract, and they've struggled with Georgia. They just lost to Arkansas. People are like, well, I don't really, you know. Obviously, the the chatter for Bruce Pearl is like, well, he probably wouldn't have been successful here anyways. Um, so it's kind of a what have you done for me lately? And I'm interested to see if any of these coaches on our radar. If they do, you know, because like you said, like a majority, it seems almost like 75 to 80 percent are all in on Kenny Payne. What if one of these coaches makes like a huge run in the NCAA tournament? It'll be interesting to see how the fan base kind of reacts to that. Uh, we're on a like nightly basis with our opinions. Right. Like, you know, Arkansas upsets uh, Auburn the other night. Exactly. Everybody's on the Eric Musselman train. They'll probably lose another game. They've had an up and down season. They'll probably lose another game here soon. And everybody who doesn't want Eric Musselman will be like, see, see, see. Yeah, exactly. And I can absolutely see a scenario where, like, we're debating all these candidates and the NCAA tournament changes everything. Like, I mean, the people, because it seems like everybody is overwhelmingly out on Mick Cronin. Like, you throw that name out there and the reaction is just visceral from a Mm -hmm. pretty large, uh, you know, segment of the fan base. What if he goes to -to back-to-back Final Fours? Like, what if... You know, he's got kind of the fluky Final Four last year going from the first four to the Final Four. They're going to be a high seed this year. What if he's got like a two seed that goes to the the Final Four again in back-to-back years and we've already settled on Kenny Payne or, or you know, we've, we've settled on some other guy? Or does it change the entire mood of the search? I, I don't know, but I th- I, I'm with you. I think we're absolutely going to do that. We've been doing it, and we're going to continue to do it. It's going to be, Jesus, it's going to be a very, very interesting six to eight weeks or so. And that's the other thing that that I wanted to mention is the timeline. I see it every day where, especially when things are going poorly with basketball, like when you just lost a game, people saying, you know, just, just go ahead and name Kenny Payne, get it done next week. Or, you know, just, just hire Musselman, get it done. next. It's not happening. Like that's not the yeah. way this is going to work. We haven't even really started the process. We just hired a search firm. They're just getting going. Josh Hurd is still trying to figure out exactly what his situation is. And also, it has to be said, like, April 1st is the day where a lot of buyouts for a lot of head coaches in college basketball go down. If you're serious about making this a, you know, leave no stone unturned search, you're going to have to wait a little bit. Because no coach is going to talk to you until their season is done, at least in any sort of formal setting. 
And, I mean, for instance, like Eric Musselman, the guy that everybody's been talking about this week, his buyout drops to $2 million on April 1st. You're not going to talk to him before then. You're not going to make a hire before then. And, like, like, so all this talk about just get it done, get it done, get it done, it ain't happening. Like, everybody just needs to buckle up a little bit. There's going to be more madness. There's going to be more just shit shows. But try to enjoy the ride, I guess, is the only advice I can give. I, I asked for a bunch of questions from Twitter. You guys gave way more than we have time to answer. Uh, we'll get to some of those. Before we do, I want to remind you guys this podcast brought to you all from our friends over at Homefield Apparel. Check them out at homefieldapparel.com. It's the best place to get college sports gear, whether it's Louisville or one of the other million schools that they have available. They've got the softest hoodies, the best T-shirts, the best retro designs. Check out all their stuff there. And when you do, use the promo code CHRONICLE15, all one word at checkout. It's going to save you 15% off your first purchase from Homefield. Also, follow them on social media. It's the best way to keep track of their new releases and the new schools that they have involved. It's at Homefield Apparel without an E in apparel on Twitter and at Homefield Apparel, uh, all one word on Instagram. We love Homefield Apparel. We love their stuff. We love them for sponsoring the podcast. Check them out at homefieldapparel.com. All right, Dan, you ready for some questions? Yeah, let's do it. Um, Creighton says, what would you do with the money if you were Chris Mack and literally robbing Louisville basketball of $4,000 a day until the U.S. has a new president in 2025? <laughs> That's a great question. I, I have a feeling that uh, he's probably <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just guessing that he might be out in L.A. for the Super Bowl. Um, obviously, big Bengals fan, so uh, I know those tickets probably aren't cheap if, if you didn't have a hookup. So that's probably one thing he's doing. But yeah, I mean, other than that, I'm like, he's pretty family oriented. So probably traveling around with his kids and family as much as he can. What did you make of the Chris Mack Bengals celebration video? <laughs> I mean, a guy that looked like he had a 30 pound weight lifted off his shoulders from not being a head coach anymore. Um, <clears throat> I know people, I, yeah. And I'm not totally for the fact that he kind of just was like hey i'm out of here obviously things didn't work out um but he seems like he's in a happier place in his life so uh i'm not gonna like shit on him for that but yeah whatever i guess i really didn't have an opinion it did feel like a a kind of read the room moment like you know yeah because i'm i know people keep keep doing this whole thing and, and i understand why they do it because on national broadcast, Jordan, hell, Jordan Cornette did it last night during the Notre Dame game. There's this whole, like, woe is me, Chris Mack mentality. Uh, he didn't get a fair shake. Like, he got, like, and it has to be said, Chris Mack was not fired. It was a mutual parting of ways. He wasn't just axed in the middle of the season. He was the one who came to the table. He, he was the one who took the first step in saying, let's go ahead and do this before the season ends. And uh, the flip side of that, everybody's like, well, he quit, he quit, he quit. He's a quitter. Should have gone down with the team. I also kind of disagree with that. Like, I'm in this particular case, I'm fine with him quitting. If he didn't want to be there and nobody else wanted him there, which certainly seems to be the case, what's the point in just stringing this thing out for another two months and having everybody be miserable together? I mean, even though the team's gone 0-4 since Mac you left, there there have been more positive moments in those four games than there were in the the prior two months. So. I'm fine with him with him quitting. Sometimes quitting is the is the right thing to do. I don't think he deserves any sympathy for it. Like, right. I, I don't I don't feel bad for him, but I also am like, yeah, it was it was fine. Like, step away right now. Let's go ahead and get this thing going. Let's try to save the season for the players who are still trying. And that's what we did. That's fine. Yeah, from from like a professional <clears throat> standpoint, 
I'm like pissed off. I'm like, all right, whatever. But like at the end of the day, he's, you know, he's a human. He has a family. Uh, I mean, you never want to wish ill will on someone. So it seems like he's in a better place. So um, on that standpoint, you know, good for him. You did everything but say he's a, he's a nice guy to start that. <laughs> no, it was, the it was famous bad. Dan preface. Um, yeah. At Fern Creek, Mike says, how valid are the Tom Jurich rumors? Since there are like seven questions about this, let's, let's, let's talk about it briefly. And this is every radio show. I know you don't listen every day, Dan, which I appreciate. But every time we're talking about it, you, you could be talking about anything. It, it could be the coaching search. It could be the team. It could be the recruiting for football. The second that Tom Jurich gets mentioned by somebody, it everything blows up. That's all anybody wants to talk about. It's all anybody wants to focus on. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're not really aware of what's been happening, there has been like this – I guess movement is the right way to describe it. Um, spearheaded by some U of L fans and I think some, some people who are close to Tom. There was the social media like deluge, uh, earlier this week where everybody was posting the same message with the hashtag bring Jurich home, I think is what it was. And all I can tell you, cause I mean, I have talked to family members of Tom. I've talked to, to John Ramsey, who I think everybody knows is, is very close to Tom about all of this stuff. And my understanding is, Tom is definitely open to coming back if U of L reaches out to him, and if the situation is right, whatever that means from his end. I have a hard time like really debating because you know if this were if we knew that Tom was a realistic candidate, if we knew that U of L was interested in him, and we knew Tom was interested, and you know Tom had gone through the process and he was being interviewed and all this stuff, then. It'd be worth having a lengthy, lengthy discussion. We, we could we dedicate a whole podcast to it. I'd write a whole post on the site. The issue is like I don't know if this is even like a possibility. We mentioned the, the you know Lori Gonzalez just now setting up these these groups. We haven't even started this process really of figuring out who the next AD is going to be. And my like my my spidey senses say that this is all going to just fizzle out. And at the end of the day, we're going to hear that you know George was never a legitimate candidate and U of L never reached out to him. So what's really the whole point of doing this movement, this campaign that further divides the fan base? And right. the one the one thing that I'll say that I really don't like is the people, some of them are, are close to Tom, who have gone on the message boards and social media and who are just like ragging on Josh Hurd because I think that they saw – like I, I think this whole thing got jump-started because they saw the way the fan base reacted to the Josh Hurd press conference after the Chris Mack news broke and the fan base really liked it. They thought he handled it really well. I think there was this overwhelming sense of let's just go ahead and make this guy the full-time AD when, when, when push comes to shove. And now you've seen these people come out and say, well, Josh wasn't, he was only doing this when, when Tom was in charge and he's not ready. He's not prepared. Like I'm fine with you propping your guy up. You don't need to tear anybody else down in the process. Like let's not do that. That seems unnecessary and just mean spirited. I will say, cause you know, some people think that the, have been criticizing the fans who've been doing the the pro jurich stuff. I'm definitely not going to do that. If you're a fan right now and you want to express your opinion on something, you have every right to do so. We've been we've all been through hell the last seven eight years. And if you want Steve Cragthorpe to come back and coach the football team and you want to start that movement, fine. Like put it out there. If you want Tom Jurich back, there are a million reasons why that makes sense. He gave us all the best sports memories of our lifetime. Like he he was in charge of basically every good U of L memory that I have from a sports standpoint. And if you think that bringing him back after the four or five years of kind of crap that we've gone through is 
the right move, then you have every right to express your opinion and put it out there. I'm totally fine with that. The only thing that I like don't really understand is who are you trying to convince with, with all right. this? Because I think that like I, I think a solid majority of the Louisville fan base, if you polled them, would say they're in support of Tom Juris coming back. You've already got a majority of the fan base in your corner. So who is this this campaign for? It's not like like this isn't an election. There's not going to be a vote of the fan base. Are you trying to? We, we don't even know who's going to make this decision. So I just it all yeah. feels so rushed and unnecessary. And that's kind of where I am with the Tom Jurich stuff. So do I think it's legitimate to answer the question? I think Tom again. I, I think he absolutely would listen to U of L if U of L reached out. I think I don't think Tom's going to reach out. I think he has to be the one who an olive branch is extended to. And I, I think. In a perfect world, he'd love to come back and go out the right way and fix some of the wrongs that he believes happened at the end of his tenure and over the last four years. But it just doesn't seem like a realistic possibility at the end of the day. I'll keep this short um, because you obviously have more knowledge about this than I do. And I I do. I I love Tom. I'm I'm grateful for what he did. If he ended up getting the AD position, I would be on board with it. Paying for it to me is bizarre. Like it is very, like I just don't understand what's behind it. And like you said, who he's trying to convince. Uh, not, I'm not saying Tom. I'm saying like the people that are pushing it. Right. Um, and it, it's like you said. If anything, it's dividing the fan base more. I don't know. Like, um, I, I just don't see the whole purpose behind it. If he is going to become AD, like, let the process be the process and go through it versus, you know, putting on this charade on social media. And like you said, bringing down, you know, people that are already in positions, um, you know, I, I like I said, I like Tom. Um, I just think <laughs> it's not the way I would go about it. I have no problem with former it sounds like U of L players voicing their opinion and saying they support Tom. Like that's fine, but like for the whole like, hey, at eight o'clock in the morning, there's going to be a huge message board push right. for Tom Jerry. This is the fucking weirdest thing. Like I, I just I don't understand it, and it it, it kind of turns me off more than anything. Like I would understand it if U of L had come out and said we've reached out to Tom Jurich and right. he's he's being definitely considered. And the other thing. I'd like to hear from Tom himself. Like, like he, Tom knows how to get a message out. Talk to Tim himself. Yeah. Hell, c- come on my radio show and, and talk about it if this is like that serious a thing. So if we knew there was mutual interest and that this was real, I'm fine with that, the campaign in that sense, in that situation. If th- that same media push had happened, my concern outside of just the divisiveness of it is kind of like what we talked about with the, the all or nothing Kenny Payne mentality. We're now in a position where I think a lot of Louisville fans have their hopes up and if Josh Hurd winds up becoming the permanent AD or really anybody besides Tom Jurich becomes the permanent AD, all of a sudden it's this massive letdown. It's this just, well, I, I wanted Tom and now I don't care. Yeah. Whereas, you know, four weeks or hell, two weeks ago, if you told these same people that Josh Hurd was going to be the full-time AD, they, they would have been celebrating. That's the that's the other thing that I, I kind of don't, that makes me uneasy about all this is setting this whole fan base up, I think, for disappointment. When, if, in fact, there is, is a very, very small chance of this happening, which is kind of my hunch, because a lot of these same people, you know, two months ago, they were saying, you know, Tom's going to get the Miami job. Miami's interested and Tom's interested. And and then Miami comes out and they're like, 
Tom was never considered. We don't know where this really got started. Like, I'm worried that this same thing is happening and it's going to leave a lot of people disappointed. But if it's not, yeah, I'm with you. Like, I, I would love to talk about Tom coming back. And if it wound up happening, I love Tom. I certainly love the work that he did here. I think it would be, I mean, it'd be strange to have a guy come back into a program that still hasn't been punished for the situation that got him fired five years ago. I don't right. know if that's ever happened, but, oh man, never a dull moment around here. Nate says, is DePaul a top 25 job? And would your children think less of you if you took the job? DePaul is 100% not a top 25 job. And my yeah. kids w- would absolutely think less of me if I took it. Um, <laughs> loving life. How would Mike James have fit with this team? It's. I have no idea. We'd be 28-2 and two if Mike James had played <laughs> this year. No, it yeah. also, I mean, like the – the buzz this summer was that Mike James, the, the, the staff really liked him. Of course, the buzz this summer was also that the staff really liked this whole team. So uh, I'm not sure if I would trust the the buzz from from seven months ago anymore. But I think that like I I don't know enough about Mike James. I, we never got a chance to see him even play in a inter squad scrimmage or anything. Yeah, everyone loves like the mystery guy that of course haven't seen yet. And then of like, course you know we we got to see him play to really evaluate it. Uh. So I, I I don't know. I hope he does stick around because I would like to see him play at some point just because Same. we all heard good things this summer. Grenade says, assuming Kenny Payne is the hire, any chance of hiring Scott Davenport as an assistant? No. I, no. I think yeah. I think Scotty would entertain the idea of being the head coach, and I do think he'll be interviewed. Um, but I don't think he's going to – I mean, the man is overseeing Bellman's transition from D2 to, to D1, and hopefully if this meeting in April – goes well, they'll be eligible for the NCAA tournament next season. I think that that's a realistic possibility. And I think if you're Scotty Davenport, that's sort of the last thing that you want. He, I mean, he's built this program up. Bellman was nothing when he got there. He won a D2 national championship there. He's now overseeing the transition to D1, which is going incredibly well. The last sort of step for him is being in charge of the program the first time that Bellman's name pops up on Selection Sunday, which would be a really cool thing for everybody involved, uh, you know, with that university and just with basketball in the city of Louisville in general. So I think he wants to be there for that. I don't think he would be able to pass up the opportunity of being the head men's coach at Louisville if it came up. But as far as like being an assistant again, I don't think he's, uh, I don't think he's doing that. Yeah. That's, uh, unfortunately, that's like a, almost a slap in the face to Scotty to even really bring that up because he's done so many good things with the Bellarmine program that, there would be no reason to shit. They're they're better than us right now, so they might um, be. Yeah, it, it'd be close. So um, I'm if he doesn't get the head coaching job at Louisville, which I don't think he would. You know, I'm I'm all for him to keep building out the the or excuse me the Louisville program. I'm all for him to keep building out the Bellarmine program. Uh, another tweet asks any word on what Payne's staff would be, and the the only name that I've heard that would be coming with him. It seems like this is. More likely to happen than not if Payne gets the job is Nolan Smith from Duke, which I'm fine with. I think that would be great. He obviously has ties to this program, um, has been an integral part of the success that Duke has had in recent years since uh, since his play, playing days ended. Um, and I'll say the same thing that we've both said on previous pods. You've got to go out and find an established former head coach who can help you with the, the day-to-day stuff and the in-game stuff. I think that would be a necessity. As far as who that would be, I've got no idea. But Nolan Smith is the only name that I can give you as far as guys that have been rumored that would absolutely, I think, be on Payne's staff if he gets the job. Um, J.A. Price says, does Louisville win another game this year? 
Probably. I gotta look at the schedule. I mean, I think that they're going to be underdogs in every game they play from now until the end of the season, according to Ken Palm. But I think, I mean, like Miami next week at home, I think they would have a, I think they'll have a shot in that one. Clemson, I think they'll have a shot. Um, then they got North Carolina and then on the road against Wake Forest, on the road against Virginia Tech, and then at home against Virginia to end the season. And I, I think they get at least one win. I really do. I, I hope I'm, I hope I'm right. I, hope, I, I trust that Mike Pegues is going to get one win out of these guys at least. It's it, it definitely seems like we're trending towards ACC Tournament Tuesday, though, which is a humbling experience. But hopefully we can beat Pitt or, or BC or Georgia Tech or whoever we play and at least advance one round of the tournament. That would be that'd be something. God, what a depressing state of affairs. I know, seriously. I, it, it, so much of you know, the, the last year of Patino, like, we, we were like, hey, or last year Denny Crum, like, hey, you know, conference tournament time, we had UAB first game. We're like, what if we just win this one? We could go on a run, and then we, you know, we lose to a shitty UAB team, and that's the end of that. It does, I mean, it's one of those deals where, like, when you say some of the stuff out loud, you're like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> yeah. how did we get here? I should uh, never, well, we should never be in this position. It's, we should, it's we should. unfathomable. Uh, Kevin says, have we seen the last of Malik Williams now? Um, I mean. That was tough. That was a tough watch. I was in support of bringing Malik back just because I felt bad for him potentially like going out with this being his legacy. And it took like 10 seconds for me to get over that, that feeling bad. I was like, Jesus, Malik, like help us out a little bit here. Like he just had the shittiest attitude, body language on the bench, comes in, air balls two threes right away, gets beat off the bounce, gives no effort to stop the drive and just kind of shrugs his shoulders when it happens and then doesn't play it all again. I mean, I'm, at this, I hate to say it, just based on that, that but like, if you want to bench him for the rest of the year, like whatever, I'm fine with it. I, me too. I mean, like, I, you never want to be hard on a college player, but he's not really a kid anymore. Um, so uh, you know, I think he can handle some of the cr- criticism. But that defensive closeout where he did like the reach around, that literally looked like me playing at the Y. Like that's what <laughs> I did. That's odd. I was like, oh my god, that's me. <laughs> Um, like I couldn't believe what I was actually watching. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's going to be on the, Hey, remember the 2021 or 2021, 22 season when they show the lowlights like that, that play right there might actually be the lead on it. It was, it's up there. That was that or either one of the air ball threes, just because <laughs> it's like he read the criticism. It was like, this is what you want. Are you entertained? <laughs> like, fuck all you guys. It's oh, like you read everything man. that we've been saying not to do and just did it. Uh, Joseph says, have you, have you gotten over the 2019 blowed lead loss to Duke at home? Because I still have it. No. I'll never get over that. Won't get over the Virginia I don't game. The, I don't think the program has gotten over it, to be honest. it's It's been all downhill since there. It's like, did that do it or did COVID do it? Do it? One of the two just ruined ruined everything about the Chris Mack era. It's like, or, or our podcast, one of the three. Or it could be, could be. Uh, Uncle Larry says, what's Penny been doing, Mike? Um, she's been barking a lot and being neglected and hating the fact that we have two kids now. Uh, Penny's hanging in there. She's she's still a good girl. Virginia's obsessed with Penny. Penny hates Virginia. That's the relationship there. Virginia always wants to play with Penny. Penny never wants to play with Virginia. But she's, she's a good dog. Uh, Peter Hepner says, this may be more up your alley. If you had to pick one WWE slash WWF manager to coach this team, who would it be? What a good question. Whew, there's a lot of choices here. It's like, to coach this team, how about Harvey Whippleman? 
Um, <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't waste any of the great managers on this team. Like, I wouldn't want, like, a, a Bobby Heenan or a, a Jim Cornette or a Mr. Fuji. Dude, give me, give me, give me Paul Bear. This team's dead. Like, like yeah. somebody, somebody who can resurrect him. Just he's like carrying the like on the urn. It just says like Louisville basketball history as he walks to the to the ring. <laughs> oh, I love that question. Whatever happened to Harvey Whippleman? I know he was Giant Gonzalez's manager, but I I can't remember if he was anybody else's. Louisville interim head coach Virgil. Virgil. Yeah, Virgil. Miss Elizabeth. R.I.P. Um, yeah, all, like all these people are dead. Yeah, sorry. It's okay. Uh, superhero says, who's on Mike Rutherford's staff when he's leading the Louisville Cardinals? Um, John Beeline, Brad Stevens. Um, who do I think is – who else? Mike Boyden. We'll bring him over from Oklahoma State. Love him. Love the, love the guys. I'm not sure if all those guys would work well together, but that's my staff. We're, we're going to have a good time. Um JD says, best lineup for the ACC tourney with players logging 30 minutes plus. At this point, like, I'm, I, I said this last night, just play the dudes who are going to play hard. Like, I, I'm yeah. playing the guys who I feel like this matters something to. And watching this team the last few games, I'm playing Jared West, L. Ellis, Dre Davis. I know he didn't play great last night, but the dude always plays hard. Um, who would be? Jalen Withers. And then, man, Sidney Curry did not give great effort last night. Like, he looked – Yeah. I don't know what that was. That was a weird thing from him. So, I, I don't want to, like, fully penalize him because he's been so good up until last night, at least offensively, defensively. We got a lot – we got ways to go. Rose Wheeler plays really hard, too. Um, yeah. I'd probably – I'll give Sid a second chance and put him in there as the starting center and have Rose coming off the bench. Yeah, I mean – Fuck, at this point, I'm like, just throw JJ in there. I'd, I'd yeah, like yeah, him, I'd like to have JJ in there, too. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see him get some end-of-the-year run and, and see if we have anything. You know, I don't know where he's going to be next year, but, um, yeah, see if we have anything there. At this point, it, it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Brett says, which players from this year's team stay? I don't think it's going to be a lot. I mean, yeah. obviously, a lot of it depends on who the head coach is. For instance, if Kenny Payne stays... I think JJ Trainer stays. They've got a relationship. Um, you abs- you definitely, you know, you're losing Malik, Mason Faulkner, and Jared West. They've got no eligibility left. Noah Locke technically has one year of eligibility left. I, I don't think he's staying here. Um, I don't think he's playing college basketball anymore. Uh, I think Sam's gone. I think Matt Cross I, is probably I, gone. I, I forgot Sam was on the team. Like well, last night. <laughs> easy to do. Uh, yeah, last night, that was the big question. What's up with Sam? What's up with Sam? I'm like, well, he's not playing for a reason. It's, yeah. Um, I think he's definitely gone. I think Cross is gone. I think, I think L can be convinced to stay. Same with Curry. Wheeler, I think, stays. Um, Jalen? Jalen, I think, is, I mean, he absolutely would have left if Mac was coming back. I think Jalen depends on who the head coach is. Yeah, I think I could see whoever the head coach is taking a real hard look at him. Like, there's just too many flashes. I'm not saying he's, you know, consistent enough, but there's there's just flashes. Like, all right, like maybe I could work with this. I think I think Gabe's gone, um, and then Mike James. I don't know. I would assume he stays, but 
Who knows? You just JJ. JJ is probably gone. I think J. Like I said, I think JJ stays if Kenny Payne's the coach because they've oh, got yeah. okay. they've got a relationship. But if it's anybody else, JJ probably be gone. Um, I mean, you could like. I could see a scenario where the head coach winds up keeping like six, seven guys from this year's roster. I could see a scenario where we have like one or two guys coming back. Like yeah, uh, yeah, you're you could exactly absolutely right. get a mass exodus. Um, let's see. Texture says, "Do you think Pegues can get us to the second weekend of the tournament?" Yeah, sure. Let's go with that. Uh, Boombox Mike, what does your pops think of all this mess? His opinion holds great value, bro. I can't read my dad's thoughts on this on the podcast. <laughs> I know that we're. Oh. I know that we we check the expletive box here, the explicit box here. I still can't read my dad's thoughts on this. He, he, Glenn Rutherford's unhappy. That doesn't care for the current state of Louisville basketball. That's all I'll say. Um, God. Steven says not really a question, and most likely not possible due to job circumstances. But Dan's got to move back to the Ville to make the vibes right again. Whew. Yeah, you. Uh, you want to talk to my wife? You can come on up here and throw in a PowerPoint presentation and, and see what she says. Um, but yeah, I, not, not a lot of good things have happened with Louisville sports since I left in 2018, obviously. So uh, yeah, if I came back and the vibes changed, I would definitely want a position on the respected search committee that we talked about earlier. Um, but yeah, I miss Louisville for sure. Joe says, let's assume we don't win another game during the regular season, but we get hot and win the ACC tournament. What seed do they give us? Probably, I mean, probably 13, if I had to guess. Like when Georgia got hot and won the SEC tournament during that tornado year, I think they were 13. My guess is that's where we'd end up being. Oof. I'm not Uh, even going to entertain that because it's not happening. Yeah, well, yeah, just it's, it's fun. Uh, Justin says, who's the option number two behind Kenny Payne? I still think it's Mick Cronin. Yeah, take that. I told you, I I will be the face of the Mick Cronin hire. Like, if you, if the fan base is fucking up in arms and pissed about it, come after me. I'm a man. I'm, well, I'm not 40, but I'm almost 40. (laughs) Almost. Like, yeah, like, I will wear it. I think he's a good coach. I think he would do well here, and, and that's that. GSM says, would the outcome of last night's game been different without the Digger Phelps pep talk during shoot-around? Oh, yeah, we win by, like, 15 if Digger Phelps stays away from the team. God, I hate Digger. Can't stand him. Don't like him. Not a great guy. Danny says, uh, read the radio show text line and just answer all the questions that you skip. The Thornton text line. Can't do that either because it's just, like, my dad's thoughts. Not not appropriate for, for even the podcast. Uh, Clay says, if Dustin Diamond was alive and had been in the reboot of Saved by the Bell, what would Screech be up to in 2022? I think well, he was on the new, yeah, so, so he was on the new class as like an administrative assistant at, at Bayside, so he'd probably be like on staff there. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Gotta get through these quickly. I know we've talked for a long time. Terry, what's your power ranking for our local meteorologists? I, I mean, Weinberg's at the top now. I love Kevin Harden, but this is Weinberg's world. He's running it. He's the man. It's him. Wow. Then, then Harned, then Cardosi at three. I, I can't believe you bumped down Harned for Weinberg. Uh, he must be coming like a freight train lately. He's um, killing it. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I do miss Louisville news. Like, you should hear my mom because my parents moved away from Louisville. 
like, and they watch the news all the time. All they do to me every time I get with them is bitch about how bad the news is compared back in Louisville. So shout out all the Louisville news anchors. I just love Weinberg because he seems so happy with what he does. Like, like he just, my entire timeline on Twitter will be like, oh my God, this team sucks. Like, get Kenny Payne here now. Like, oh, but fuck Chris Mack. This is awful. And then smack in the middle of it, Weinberg will be like, beautiful view of Jupiter tonight. Check his out. Like, <laughs> I want to live in Weinberg's world. I want, I want to be him. He's so happy all the time. He's so, except when he's dealing with internet trolls, which is, he gets him riled up, but he's still, he does a great job there. I love Mark Weinberg. He's awesome. Um, Jack says, who's more at fault for the downfall of Louisville? Mike for the intro video or Dan for comparing himself to Josh Nickelberry? <laughs> that was a good question. How is Josh doing? Is he doing all right? He's averaging, I think, like 12.5 points for a very bad LaSalle team. Well, at least we know there's there's something in there. but um, I can't yeah, believe I'm a- that I'm on the intro video for like the worst season in Louisville history. Dude, that, that actually really sucks. It's starting to set in now that like this is how I'm always going to remember it. Like one of the like, like the coolest moment of my fandom, and it's going to be this fucking team. But beggars can't be choosers. I'll have to write a letter to get somehow in next year's video. If you even want to do that, I don't know. At this point, uh, no, no. Yeah. Uh, Eric says, "What position would you play on a Quidditch team?" I know nothing about Harry Potter. Sorry, nerd. Yep, you're asking the wrong the wrong group of people here. This is the wrong podcast. Brett Dawson, yeah. Courier Journal's own. How many holes does a straw have? One. 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 You can cut from one end to the other. It's it's one hole. Uh, Nor says, name a former player who would turn this team into a tournament team, and why is it Preston Knowles? Michael Preston. Jordan. Like, yeah, my God. Um, <laughs> Verse says, thoughts on Jalen Withers possibly being the first U of L basketball player from the multiverse. I really like the Notre Dame iteration. It is the weird. I mean, in the middle of the weirdest Louisville basketball season I can remember, Jalen Withers might be having the weirdest individual season I can remember. Like, it, I, I don't. Nothing about it makes any sort of sense. I know. Like, I, I'm, I'm the same way. Like, yeah, he like took it down low last night, had some back down and scored, um, and then like just randomly started hitting like threes. I'm like, all right. Like I, 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 for him, it's all about confidence. Like it's obvious at this point, he's, he's scored double digits the last three games. This confidence is building. So um, if he does stay, whoever the next coach is, it's, I think it's going to be, you're going to have to really keep like a positive attitude with Jalen. I could not agree more. Um, Timmy Smith, our guy says, does Dan think he can outshoot Noah Locke? Uh, I don't want to be coy here, but 100% I can fucking outshoot Noah Locke. I swear, I went to the gym like a couple of weeks ago. I hadn't picked up a basketball in like five or six months. Just, I mean, I I literally still got it. Just give me a ball from behind the arc, and I will fucking grain anything. I swear to God. Um, yeah, I mean, hand in my face, it doesn't matter. I'll fucking put it right in your eye. I love this question from uh, from our guy Chris Hatfield. If you could play with a broom and he couldn't go inside the lane, how many points could Chet score on you in 10 tries? Chet Holmgren from, from Gonzaga. This is one of those questions that I, I really like want to act out and see how it would go in real life. I feel like I could – 10 tries, he can't go in the lane, I've got a broom. I feel like I'm getting at least – I feel like I'm getting two stops. Two stops in 10 tries just because he misses a jumper. Really? You'd get more than that. That would be tough. A broom? Chet Holmgren, he's he, he's incredible. 
go inside the lane? Yeah. At least six or seven stops. Wow, that's Jesus Christ. You're <laughs> really really hyping yourself up here at the end of this podcast. I know. I, know. I can't even like run a mile. I'm like <laughs> talking about all these like athletic accomplishments I can accomplish here. <laughs> um Last question here. We'll wrap up with this. Uh, James says he's got a three-part question. Is Mick Cronin's tournament resume indicative of a coach who finally broke through or just a lucky flash in the pan? I mean, my answer is let's – I think this year is going to be how we de- decide the answer to that question because he never had tournament success at Cincinnati, goes to the Final Four in his second year at UCLA but does it as an 11 seed. They're going to be a top four seed this year in the tournament. Let's see how he does there. I think that's the that's the, the wait-and-see answer. Uh, he says, does the fact that everyone has money now dull the appeal of traditionally elite coaching gigs? No, because we can still pay more. And there's also extra money to be made from programs that have rabid fan bases and are, are in big cities like ours. And then he says, chances of Glenn Sugiyama winning CC least, least cool person in 2022. It's definitely a chance. I mean, I've, I've, he's on the board. He's getting odds. There's no question about that. Um, all right. If we didn't get to your question, I'm sorry. We've, we've, the podcast has already run long. Dan, do you have a Dan of the Dumps for this week? Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to let you tell it, it the other week when we were at the <laughs> Louisville game. I mean, it's pretty bad. Uh, you're probably a better storyteller than me, so I'll let you tell it. We are uh, – so we're the, – the game ends. We're out in the concourse, and I'm getting ready to go do the, the Russ Smith Q&A, which I feel like I still haven't gotten to tell good stories from that. And – out onto the concourse as we're standing there kind of talking with our wives and, and waiting to go our separate ways, Akoya Gal, uh, friend of the program, listener of the podcast, Akoya Gal walks out. And before I can even say anything, Dan goes. I've never been, like, more confident. And I never, like, I mean, if I, like, see, like, a, a famous face, I'm never one to, like, just run right up to him or especially not, like, dap him up, like. But for some reason, I had the most confidence in the world. I just, like, went up to him. I was like, Mango, what's going on? He's like, it's a koi. And I was like, my heart has never sank fucking so, faster I in mean, my life. You were – you basically screamed it. You, you were so I loud. You, under your breath, you're like, it's Mango. And before I could even say anything, you just go over and you're like, Mango! <laughs> Give him the biggest jap in the world. He's like, it's a koi. Just a, a terrible, terrible moment on your end. I, I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, just just terrible. I pride myself in recognizing, you know, somewhat recognizable figures. And the fact that that happened in front of people. Um, and I love Akoi. Like, I was the biggest Akoi guy ever when he was here. You were. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's a tough one to wear for sure. Got to get better. Got to get better. It was just so loud and confident. A or mango. He, he handled it awful. awesome. He could have like given me the biggest like fuck you face, but he was he was cool about it. I saw it happening in slow motion, and I was just like, no, because <laughs> you said it oh. under your breath at first. You're like, it's mango, and like I couldn't stop you. You just like run over there. You're like mango. It was bad. I talked to him at the the rust thing too. He's opening a restaurant in Louisville. Shout out to a koi gal. Awesome. Good luck. Um. I, Leave us a, a review on the, the podcast app. Subscribe to the podcast there. Give us a nice rating if you can. We always love uh, reading your reviews when you leave them. Uh, I don't know if we have any new reviews. Checking real quick here. Um, let's see here. We, yeah, we've got um, a couple new reviews. 
January 28th, Zimbrari says, Hey, Mike and Dan, love all the Louisville sports takes, all the references to past teams and players, and how dedicated you both are to seeing Louisville success. I'm a Dayton grad as well, so anytime you all talk about UD or mention fun stories about UD, I love hearing it. Great pod for Louisville fans, especially during these times right now. Go Cards and go Flyers. Uh, B. Myers says, favorite podcast, two pods in three days. Thanks for helping us get through uh, the eventful week. No problem at all. That was for last week. So shout out to you guys. And if you want to leave reviews, we'll read them uh, again next week. We will be back next week talking about, I guess, the Miami game, whatever happens there. And if there's any coaching slash AD search madness news to pass along, we'll do that as well. Until we talk to you guys next time, go Cards. Go Cards.